Welcome to Live Fix Radio. This is Chris. This is Colleen. You're listening to, uh, or you were listening to, and we're probably playing some music underneath here, uh, uh, from the Black Keys. So, um, great band to uh, talk about, and the reason we're talking about and playing their music is because we have a special guest that joined us on the uh, on the show here that uh, has some interesting stories about the Black Keys, going to see them in their hometown, uh, home state of uh, Ohio. So, Got a got an interesting show. It's the first time I don't think we've ever really talked about the Black Keys before on the on the show, have we? No, um, but we've seen them. Yeah, we've seen them live. Where did we see them live? We saw them live, I believe, at Lollapalooza. Was it Lollapalooza? Yeah, it's kind of one of the side stages. Right, right. Before they blew they up. As, before they yeah, blew up. They weren't right? as big of a band as they are now. Right, 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 right. No one would have thought. Yeah. That they would have gotten this big. I, I wouldn't have thought. I don't know who 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 knew besides the white stripes that two people, two guys could, you know, get such a fan following. But as you'll see in the interview with uh, uh, Mike Phillips from uh, Sound Citizen, uh, our guest on the show today, um, he had a had an amazing experience and kind of a brotherly thing too, because he he'll, he'll talk about how his brother uh, and him kind of share experiences, introduce each other to new bands, and the live music experience is a part of that. Uh, big part of their relationship, so it's kind of interesting to talk about that. Um, but there's some, some interesting uh, stuff, too, that we actually, uh, Mike and I got to talking about, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to get him on the show, because he had an unfortunate experience at the, at the House of Blues. Um, he actually paid yeah. for a stool, yep. bar stool? Yep, he tells, uh, he wrote a very uh, entertaining, one of the most entertaining blog posts I've read in a long time, because it was personal and it was uh you know he was just telling the truth that uh, the house of blues apparently forced him to pay for bar stool uh 20 bucks uh, for one or two for 30 so he uh, he goes on uh he asked him to I wonder help. if that's a trend at all the house of blues <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I don't know but I don't uh, think I would pay for a would. bar stool no no just to sit you know even if you wanted to just kind of relax your legs a little bit you know i would yeah. i don't think so you wouldn't I'd pay. probably would you just pay f- sit on the floor is, then is there a monetary like th- you know threshold would you pay f- 10 no i wouldn't pay anything nothing at all a, a buck no you initially $1. pay to get in isn't that part of the cost well that's what we're exploring here <laughs> on the show right is uh is to see what exactly we uh you know what what are fans facing when they go to the house of blues is this a trend you know, if uh, you know anybody from I the mean, House of Blues, I mean, we have to pay to use is, the bathroom uh, now too. I mean, is I that... don't know. I don't know. Are we go- are we going back to the days? I think you stu- still do this in Europe or some parts of uh, of uh, Asia or whatever. We have to pay a dime or something mm-hmm. like that to uh, use the bathroom, to use the urinal. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if that's cleaning uh, fees. If this is a new trend and the live music industry is trying to recoup some of their costs, but I don't know why because fans are going to shows. Music industry is. Uh, you know, still in turmoil and live you know, live music experience and touring and going to a show, going to these unique venues is what's keeping the music industry afloat. You know, so why irritate your customers? Your right, fans, we may have to more, start having that at our houses. I don't know if if somebody you know if you're uh, you, you work at the House of Blues or you're from Live Nation or whoever, because you know, Live Nation they own the House of Blues. They're they're the they're the company behind that. So we've done a lot of experiments with them in the past, and we keep a close, close eye on them. And this is another story that's kind of popped up. So we had Mike come on the show to uh, talk about and share his experience. And uh, the other thing that we talked about is, uh, which is kind of interesting, this is the first guest we've had on the show to talk about uh, why he started writing about live music. So, um, you know, 
I had some, some questions for him, so he kind of shared what, what ins- first inspired him and why he does it, you know, and what it's like to be a, uh, uh, you know, a rock critic or, you know, a fan writing about their music experiences. Uh, some interesting, interesting stuff. But before we get to that interview and uh, our chat with Mike, uh, we want to uh, share a little music news because we have uh, some catching up to do. Because we, uh, on, our, on our last show, uh, the, the show with uh, Group Love and, and Matt and everybody, uh, there, there was a news item in that show. We talked about Madonna and uh, her uh, sh- you know, bearing her breast and uh, sh- you know, flashing her nipple or whatever at, uh, at the crowd in Istanbul. And Colleen, I remember you, know, you, you, you were really excited about this show or about this news item. Mm-hmm. And I had some uh, some reservations about it. I had a lot of questions. I was like, "Is this just a uh, you know a thing that I didn't have too much of a know? problem with it?" Right. I mean, it, she was expressing herself. Yep, she's the material girl, so she's she's got to express herself, right? It's right. kind of what we expect from her. So the reason we're bringing this back up is because we're all about following up and you know making things right and kind of adding on the proper context to the things that we report on. And after going through it, because when you presented this, uh, this story to me, it was kind of new. I hadn't really dove, you know, uh, dug into it and kind of figured it out. So I did my research and I, uh, you know, I have to, you know, come clean and say, you know, I, I should have known that Madonna had a reason why she did that to that crowd. So in that last show, I talked about, is there something unique about what she did for that moment at, at that show that, you know, what was her uh, her reason for doing that unique? And did that make, you know, was she going to be flashing her breast at every show? Because then that would not make it unique, right? Like, everybody sees that at the show. What, what's the big deal, right? What What's important about that? So what, there was a cultural element to what Madonna was doing. And basically what it is is that she was doing that uh, to a crowd because uh, there's uh, a large part of the audience uh, is, uh, you know, was well, women. And in that part of the area, uh, there's uh, Islam. And Madonna was making a statement. Um, she it's kind of alluded to this. It's not necessarily uh, official, but, you know, a lot of people have been reporting on it and, and kind of saying, you know, this is Madonna, this is what she does. So she was making a statement um, to that crowd. She's pur- pur- purposely pushing the boundaries. Pushing the boundaries, and she was wanting to inspire that, you know, and, and, and push some push some thought. Other women to... To express themselves, express themselves. and not mm-hmm. be held back by uh, certain cultural or, you know, the limiting, uh, what Madonna feels is, you know, is, is a limiting element of, uh, of that faith, you know, of that religion. So kind of interesting. And, uh, in, you know, in that post, I, I, I was, you know, kind of let that thought run a little bit. And it's like, you know, by Madonna doing that, she is actually engaging her fans on an intellectual level which goes beyond just being entertained. So I give my, uh, I was going to say hats off it's also reported, to Madonna, but maybe I should say something else. You didn't bring this know. up, but it's also reported when she showed her derriere. Yes. Well, there's two different shows. All right. So, so the, the next show that one, we talked about on the, was just at the Istanbul show. So she did another show in Rome. She did another show in Rome and actually um, flashed her butt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are reporting that it was towards the Vatican. Right. Where the Pope lives, right. basically. Um, you know, that's just the report. You know, she has, again, not come out and, and said, you know, absolutely, this is what I did and why I did it. But that's the report. And, you know, she hasn't uh, debunked it. Right. She hasn't so come out and refuted it or anything, that, right? So it's very possible that, 
that it's true, and that's that she was trying. I mean, knowing Madonna, she likes to make statements. Yeah, it's very possible. I should have known better, you know. But uh, you know, after watching the Super Bowl and you know listening to the album that she has out, you know, the album I still really haven't gotten into it. You know, the MDMA uh, and NA, I'm not not a huge fan of it yet. You know, it's, it, maybe it's got to grow on me. And I was wondering if her flashing, you know, her flashing incident in uh, Istanbul. Uh, was just some way to get people to t- start talking about our album and, and listen to it because for me right now I'm not I'm not a big fan of it you know I have you know I don't think uh, you know there's there's better music out there I think than than what she's putting out on there and she's done better music before um, but maybe I'm missing something I missed something with uh, the Istanbul show maybe down the road the album will the lights will go on and we'll have to and you didn't like you know, Amy Winehouse either what do you so mean I mean like think, Amy Winehouse I think you missed a lot of things a lot of Palooza? Or just in general? It, just in general. Well, that's not true. Just I like the Amy Winehouse. No, no, no. I like the Amy Winehouse. I didn't want to see the train wreck at Lollapalooza because she was, you know, on the drugs and, you know, it was just... But that's it, part it, it of was Amy a bad, Winehouse. It was a bad show, I mean. you know? She was... Why, you know... I understand people want to go to a show and part of the reason you sometimes go to a show because you want to watch the st- this train wreck happen on stage. It's entertaining. You know, it's like, why do people watch Cops? Well, why do people go to see Amy Winehouse at a show, right? Because it's... Well, and I'll do respect, you know, to... To her, you know, her family that she's passed on. It's part but, of the show, though. I mean, you it, go it to is. see it's her for that. Right? You, Absolutely. Part of her voice is, is part of um, her life, her story, mm-hmm. her narrative. So, you know, I just, I, you know, I think you got to take it all if you're going to take it. So I liked her. I, um, I guess so. That, so. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you're always not the best judge of, of good music. Wow, really? You're going to say that on the show or just like this, huh? You, you didn't even... Let me know before we're in the prep, okay? Well, hey, you're entitled to your opinion, and I, you know, I, I will agree with you that there's uh, there's different reasons why I like music, and you and I have never been, you know, in agreement 100 percent, maybe not even 50 percent of the time, on what music we think is good, quote unquote, you know, and bad or or worth listening to. So, but that's why we're doing the show, right? Absolutely. I appreciate your honesty, Colleen. That's, that's, Absolutely, anytime. That's great, that's great. So our next news item is uh, a little bit sad. You know, it's a, it's a little, uh, you know, this is a kind of a morning, uh, you know, a, a story that's, you know, brought up some memories for me, and it's about Cornerstone Music Festival. So those of you who don't know what Cornerstone is, uh, it's basically a, a music festival put on by uh, uh, Japuza, which is the Jesus People of uh, USA. And it's uh, a well-known Christian music festival that uh, has been taking uh, started in 1984, and uh, for the most part, it's um, you know it's kind of an interesting place to go. I went there in 2000, and uh, it's a little bit of a rites of passage. You know, if you come from that culture and you come from you know a Christian upbringing or whatever, or you're with a youth group or whatever, it's it's a it's an interesting place to go because it's all Christian bands uh, or supposedly, you know, sometimes you can look at, you know, it's debatable, but uh, the goal is to create, uh, you know, a community uh, based off of, uh, you know, uh, you know cr- Christian values and, and, and things like that. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of interesting. So they, uh, their last festival uh, is this year, 2012, and they're, they're ending it. So, and basically Why? financial reasons. So the economy and just not being able to scale um, some of the interesting things about Cornerstone is that it's it's not like other festivals. So it goes on for like five, six days. So it's it's pretty long. So it goes on from like July 2nd to July 7th. So it's uh, 
It's a huge, you know, it takes place in Bushnell, Illinois. But this year they're they're ending it. And uh, my experience in 2000. And there's some bands that actually got their start. Yeah. From I mean, popular mainstream bands that exactly. started there. Mm-hmm. Um, Pod. Yep. Being one um, that you know started in that realm and moved on to bigger and better things and basically moved to mainstream. Yeah, yeah. There's been some, uh, you know, there's been some books written about it. You know, other like uh, rock writers from uh, Spin and Rolling Stone, you know, go to Cornerstone and they kind of are in a little bit of a you know, uh, amazement in in looking at how a group of Christians, you know, celebrates and interacts in, in a rock concert environment. So it's it's very fascinating. And uh, when I heard about the news, uh, I couldn't help but write a blog post about what. Cornerstone, my experience in 2000 was uh, like for me, because I saw POD there, you know, uh, for you know for the uh, for the second time I think, through through second or third time, um, and uh, being at Cornerstone again from a cultural experience, uh, for me it was kind of an interesting time because at that point it was like in my early 20s or whatever, and I know, you know correct me if I'm wrong, but from a psychological perspective, that's a, a really formative time. You know, you're you're transforming, you're kind of forming your Thoughts you're learning and your, your identity, worldview, sure. you know, all that kind of stuff. You're separating from your family a little bit, trying to learn your identity. Right. You're trying to figure, you're trying to figure out, but you're also exploring different religions, different cultural stuff, uh, different food, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I remember walking the grounds of uh, Cornerstone, um, kind of wrestling with that, you know, and, and figuring out, you know, how do I mix, you know, my faith and my love for music and culture, you know, in, in a way that's, uh, makes sense to me and doesn't compromise either, either one of those, you know, and I remember, uh, uh being in the mosh pit, uh, at POD with, uh, some of my friends and, uh, and really trying to understand what, uh, what that meant, you know, and then walking back. So wait a second, know, what's you're, that? you're talking about a Christian mosh pit. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Seem like counterintuitive. Yeah. Well, I didn't should... have a chance to, cause what's interesting about Cornerstone is that Shouldn't not there just be peace well, and love and. Well, it's worship. Not bashing each other. You know, in that in that frame of mind, and we've always experimented on live fix about and explored like what what is what is worship? You know, is it uh, look a certain way? Does it mean putting your hands in the air? You know, and and, and you know praising so God or whatever? So might be a or way of like connecting. It f- more other physical. Humans. More yeah. Is it more physical? Interesting. Okay. You know, is it more of a you know physical outburst? Like could moshing be be a, a form of worship? You know, and and in that setting, or in any setting. Or a few, form you know? of community, just Black, being around if, if other it's people. Like, yeah, if it's like Black Flag, or if it's Fugazi, you know, and you're there enjoying the music, and you're having a spiritual experience, is that not worship? You know, so, um, and those are the kind of the things that I was struggling with when I went to Cornerstone, so I kind of wrote about that. Uh, there's, a you know, some notes and you know, thoughts on that uh, on the, uh, the show notes, but it was... Um, Kind of an interesting time. It is sad to go. I was looking at the uh, the Facebook posts of um, some of the uh, the people that were uh, you know had gone and had similar experiences like I did, and it's definitely something that was uh, it's going to be missed. I think you know, but uh, as you read through some of the thoughts of why the organizers ended it, you know, it was uh, they feel it was the right time, you know, and, and you know the financial reasons, yes, but you know I think it's uh, you know sometimes you just got to end things, you know, and and, and start anew and I think one of the uh, the things about Cornerstone is that it started in an era and you know it gave bands like POD a chance to 
reach an audience, gain, you know, get, get a big swell of, of, um, of fans and move on to the next level. So we have it, some, uh, it's interesting too. And I wasn't going to bring this up and I know we talked about it, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but when you say cornerstone, I cringe. Why? Uh, when I was attempting to go to cornerstone and I think I was, uh, I got it. I remember probably 16, 17, maybe, um, I was with um, a few friends, and we were going and um, kind of as a group uh, mm-hmm. up to or down, I should say. Yeah, Bushnell, Bushnell South, yeah, uh, Illinois. It's, like in, it's and, in, uh, in uh, Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know who Bushnell, where Bushnell is. And there was a one of the vans had um, gotten an accident and actually flipped hmm. across the highway, and I was in the other van and actually got to witness the whole event. Um, mm-hmm. So we we end up not based on just what had happened and, you know, you know, I don't need to go into details, but, um, no one was, uh, killed in the accident. That's good. Um, but there was a lot of people that were harmed, I think, emotionally, you know, and physically. And so, um, so there was a lot of healing and things that had to come out of that, but we ended up not going at that Mm. point just because of what had happened. What year was that? You know, I'm not. I'm not sure. No? I have to go okay. back and look okay. and see if I can. I actually don't even have the ticket stub. Because we didn't. Just to, just so everybody knows, we didn't know each other at that point. Right. We had not started dating yet, and we didn't know each other. It probably was between Maybe like, 90, like 97 and like 97, 99, 99, 99. In between those three years, I'm, I'm guessing, but. Um, for those of you who are listening that maybe were, were there, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you can help me out with that. But yeah, um, but yeah, and, and I, I never ended up going after that just because there was um, just kind of a weird feeling around it. I don't know that it like damaged me, but it's something I'll never forget, you know. And uh, the people that were involved in that, I think, will never forget. And um, you know, there's times when we've talked about it and things like that. A lot of counseling had happened from some people yeah. in regards traumatic, to that. Yeah. And um, That's like an example of a, a traumatic event being associated with a live music experience. Mm-hmm. So as I'm explaining my Cornerstone experience, are you are like flashes of the van flipping <laughs> over going through your head? No, I mean, I just, I, when I think of corner, I just get kind of an icky feeling, I would say. Mm. Just, I mean, I think that's normal with a lot of our concert experiences. We, you know, some of us won't listen to bands anymore if we had a bad experience. Right. We went to a show and, you know, we, something happened to us at that show and it was a bad experience. Or we were with a boyfriend at that show or yeah. girlfriend. Kind of social That relationship ended. Influences that. You know, um, I, you know, I think there's a lot, music can bring you to a place that um, other things cannot. Mm. And um, and that's true for, for this, you know, for Cornerstone. And I'm sad to see it end, but in some ways, maybe <laughs> I don't have to hear about it anymore. Is it putting an end to your... Uh, to your, your I don't uh, think so. I don't your experience, think... You know, I think maybe like, kind of, like closure to those emotions. I think that's I've kind of... I never really closure. thought of it that way. It's kind of interesting. I think there's been closure to that already, but I just think, um, for me, I think it's... There's there's times for things, and um, and I just think the cornerstone's ready to to move on. I think there's a lot of festivals that will have to eventually move on. So yeah, well, that's a great segue because our next uh, our next news item is all about uh, the uh, taste of Chicago. So there are some firsts going on uh, with the taste of Chicago. Those of you that live in Chicago area, uh, the taste of Chicago uh, is, is known for uh, being one of the biggest outdoor 
free uh, festivals. Uh, it takes place right in the beautiful downtown area. You said free in Chicago. Yes. There's a caveat this time, this year. So it's had the reputation. So we have a new mayor. New mayor, Rahm Emanuel, is uh, you know, trying to institute some things, trying to ge- ge- uh, kind of generate some revenue for, for the city. You know, so some, some things have been kind of shaken uh, up a little bit. And one of those things is that uh, for the first time in the history of, uh, of the festival, they are charging for uh, 30 bucks a seat at the Petrillo band, band uh, uh, stage. So those of you who've been to Lollapalooza, you know that there's a stage where it's like a shell and there's a pavilion and there's seats you know, in there. They don't usually put the seats for Lollapalooza, but for the Petrillo band shell, uh, for the ta- for the Taste of Chicago, they put seats in there and they kind of rope it off, and then the back end is all you know, seats like thirty thousand. You can just stand around and sit on the grass, or whatever. Um, but for the first time in history, they're charging thirty dollars a piece for those tickets. Uh, the festival uh, takes place next weekend, so it's a uh, it's kind of interesting. And and according to some reports from the Chicago Tribune, uh, right now they've only sold a third of those of those tickets. So they're uh, and the, the city of Chicago. They're saying that um, you know it's an experiment. You know, so they're testing it out. And you know, uh, some of the bands that will be playing are like Death Cab for Cutie, uh, uh, Calexico. I think I'm saying that name uh, right. Calexico, um, yeah. Calexico, mm-hmm. and uh, some some pretty some pretty good names. Uh, Raphael uh, Sadiq is uh, is opening. So some pretty some pretty good stuff uh, that will be you know showing. Uh, but it still remains to be seen. Will will fans pay thirty dollars to sit in that that area, or they just take it in for free and and just you know and do that? Do do does being close and having a place to sit down motivate people enough to fork over thirty bucks for the first time to have a kind of a premium seat? You know, with with that. And if you you know, I haven't done the math on that. I don't know how many seats there are, but I'm wondering how much money is that really actually generating. And then, of course, the big question is where does that money go? Does it go to help, you know, are they funneling that back into the festival so they can put this on? Because you can't do the thing for free, right? I mean, you got to nothing, – nothing is really free. People, people pay for free, and, and it's just a matter of who and when, right? So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see how many people actually pay for that. Would you pay for that, Colin? We went to the Taste Chicago. We didn't pay. We saw the uh, – oh, actually, what did we see? It was a blues festival or something, festival. right? We said mm-hmm. that in there. But mm-hmm. would you pay for a ticket? No. In that area? No, no? And, and I'm not really fond of uh, the weather right now. <laughs> right, it's In hot. Chicago, we've had records 103, 105. Triple-digit heat here, uh, Temperature, so, and it's getting closer to when, you know, they've had the show. I, so I'm not really jumping to get a ticket, and I don't think I'm the only one that's staying back just because of the weather, and we just had a hot summer. Yeah. But really, we've had a humid summer. Yep. Hot. And, and there's people from Arizona that want to go back to Arizona. <laughs> That's how bad um, yeah. our, our heat, you know, tourists from Texas, Arizona, and they want to go back because yeah. so, they feel like it's so humid. Yeah, I wonder how the heat is really impacting people's live music experiences because we have uh, you know, Electric Fork Fest, uh, Forest Festival that's been going on that uh, recently wrapped up in, uh, in Michigan. It's the old Rothbury uh, Festival. And then... Uh, uh, well, of course, you got Cornerstone going on in southern Illinois during this week. It's been like blazingly hot. You know, how is that experiencing? So, if you guys are at any of these festivals or you got experiences about you're struggling with whether or not you want to pay for these, uh, you know, well, I guess if they're maybe if the House of Blues and the uh, Tish Chicago can get together and they can charge for bar stools 
at the festival too. Maybe, it's Chicago. Maybe you can they, charge anywhere for anything. <laughs> maybe they'll start, you know, Without charging question. for maybe they'll start charging like a, for like a patch of grass out out there. They'll kind of like spray paint little squares, and you pay mm. for a little block of grass. You know, I don't know. We'll see. I hope I hope that doesn't happen. But if you so guys one got one square inch is going to be you know fifty dollars and. Two square inches, and, and we're going to get into the whole debate about, you know, overweight or not overweight, and if you need two seats or not two seats, I mean... Oh, like the airplanes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So if you guys got stories, uh, call our concert fan hotline at uh, 773-609-4341. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear, have you guys paid for bar stools at, at House of Blues? Are, are you going to... Or anywhere anywhere else. Right, right. I'd be interested to hear if anywhere else is doing this. Right. Or any are any festivals blocking off pieces of grass? You know, I haven't heard of that. It's kind of crazy, but you never know. You know, it's don't a, give them ideas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, too late. If you're listening to this and you're running a music festival and you're going to do that, you better call us and let us know because we want to talk to you. So the next piece of uh, information here, a news item, is that we've been reporting about the Flaming Lips. You know, they were out to break Jay Z's world record of playing the most amount of shows in a 24-hour period. Jay Z had seven, and Flaming Lips successfully did it. They, they beat Jay-Z and played eight shows in a 24-hour period. Congratulations to the Flaming Lips. But I do have a couple questions here. Because in some of the reporting, it was just like, hey, they, you know, they, uh, they did it. And I was kind of looking around a little bit. I didn't see any specific uh, you know, like details, analytic, you know, scientific you know, background info on this. For example, how long... You know, did Jay Z play shorter shows? Did the Flaming Lips play shorter shows? You know, in order to uh, you know pack up their stuff. And the other thing is that, and you you brought this up, you know, a Jay Z set, uh, you know, what you know is is much more simple than a Flaming Lips set. If you've seen them play live, they have the confetti machines, they got the screens, they got the stuffed animals, you know, all this kind of stuff that they gotta, you know, it, it's a massive production to move that quickly and do that so did they scale that down so that they could get that i mean i haven't seen any reports so if you're with the flaming lips or if you're a fan who experienced that or you're from guinness book of world records and you have some stats to say does each show have to be the same amount for it to you know for it to say that that this new record beats the old record you know i mean wouldn't that make sense kyle i mean what do you think i also am i off here no you're kind of looking at me like what are you talking about I have a lot of questions, too, you know, but um, to me, the grand scheme of things, I mean, <laughs> does it really matter? Eight versus seven? You know, I mean, I, I just I feel like, okay. It's you, PR, you beat, too, right? It's Jay-Z, Whoopi, great, great for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like you always said, there are people dying now. There are people out there dying, so. Right, there are more important things, things to focus going on. on. There are more things right. to focus on. Right. Um, I just, I kind of think this story might be a little, uh. A little too much media hype for me. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I will give them that, that the new Flaming Lips album, I'm totally blanking on the name. I will hopefully uh, I'll get that for you guys in a bit. But uh, I'm digging the new Flaming Lips album. So if this is, uh, which probably it is, uh, you know, very crafty. You don't clever. like Madonna, but you, you, you'll listen to Flaming Lips. Flaming Lips are fantastic. And the new, the new track, that's the lead track, uh, uh, You Must Be Downloaded or, uh, or something like that, has Keisha, or uh, uh, Kesha, Kesha on there. I, I actually like 
her part on that. They, you know, it, it's the production and the flaming lips that actually turns turn. Kesha. Anything about glitter Tur- at all in that uh, song? No, that's what I like about it. Is there's she's not dressed up in garbage bags. There's no glitter. You know, it's no. You know, I'm, I'm at a party. You know, all this BS. She's actually, you know, they've actually just simplified her voice and kind of done some looping with it. So I wonder if Kesha was at any of these eight shows. Well, good for her. You know, good for her to to. Have changed your mind about her. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I've Maybe, always you know, been a fan, so... Yeah, we haven't talked about Kesha's live performance yet on, on Live Fix, but maybe she has, uh, you know, seen the Flaming Lips live and was amazed at their grandeur and just in complete awe that she said, you know, i got to change my music. So Or they're from the same record label that usually uh, combines people. Are Universal? Because I think Flaming Lips are... We have to do a little research on that. I don't know. But yeah, sometimes sometimes do that. duets happen that but way. But anyways, I don't know. Is, is this Guinness Book of World Records a publicity stunt? Probably, but it's interesting. I like it because it's something to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Guinness World Rec- Book of World Records. I don't know. So if you're Who a knows? band out there, you need to try to shoot for nine. Yes, yes, and there's a whole bunch of other ridiculous uh, 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 world record things going on. The Melvins, you know, they're going to be uh, trying to break a record for uh, the most consecutive shows. Uh, the, or the fastest tour across the United States, I think it is. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting it wrong, but I, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's a little much, you know. But anyways, congratulations to Flaming Lips. But we're going to keep an eye on that and see if what real stats are. So if you got some stories, let us know what you got. So the last uh, the last piece here before we jump into uh, the interview with Mike and uh, learn a little bit more about the Black Keys and all this good stuff is that uh, the Lounge Axe. So um, those of you who don't know about the Lounge Axe, it was a prominent venue in Chicago where a lot of independent artists kind of got their start, and uh, it, was, it was big in the early 90s. Uh, great, great place to play. So they're actually having a Lounge Axe reunion that's happening in, uh, in Chicago in August. So uh, hopefully we can get somebody from, uh, from the Lounge Axe So what were on some the of show. the bands that were there? Yeah, the yeah. There are uh, some examples of uh, the Lounge Axe. Chicago had some great music. Yeah, the connection between time. the Lounge Axe. We had one of our very first, I think it's one of our very first shows, we had uh, Phil Rockroar on, on the tour. So he, he heads up the Chicago Rocks tour, and part of the tour actually goes by the Lounge Axe because you can't have a, a, tour without, uh, a tour about Chicago live music or, or music scene in Chicago without talking about the Lounge Axe. So, um, and it was one club? One club, basically? yes. Okay. Yeah, one venue. So, and the co-owners of the club were um, Sue Tweedy, mm-hmm. right, yep. and Julia Adams. And we all know who Sue Tweedy is, right? Yep. Mr. Yep. Tweedy of Wilco yep. Jeff is Tweedy. Uh, Jeff Tweedy, yep. uh, his wife, who so she, was she actually a, a big, prominent big um, uh, key figure in Chicago live music scene. Promoter. Yeah. Promoter. Yeah, venue absolutely. owner. Absolutely. Yep. And I would love to have her on. That would be great. Yeah, be, be great. So some of the bands that played were uh, Pavement, Wilco, uh, Shellac, Tortoise, Smog, The Sea and the Cake, Yola Tango. So a lot of really great bands that uh, have influenced bands that are popular today. So you wouldn't have a lot of the uh, the indie rock and, uh, and we saw stuff Sea we and Cake. We've seen a couple of yeah. those guys. Yeah, we've seen a lot. Uh, I've seen Shellac. You know, uh, Tortoise. Uh, you know, uh, Pavement. They're still good. Yeah, they're still influential. So this is a great opportunity. So if you're looking for a little bit of history lesson, you know the event, uh, you know, is is free. But this is a great opportunity to kind of learn uh, a little bit of roots in uh, Chicago music, uh, live music history, and um, you know, kind of get it's that. It's free. 
Yeah. Why not? Right. right. Why not go for the free when you, you, know, you can't? And it's indoors. Right. And hopefully they're not going to be charging for any bar stools or uh, patches of grass. Well, actually, I don't think there are any patches of grass <laughs> inside. In, inside, but sure. uh, definitely, definitely cool. So uh, before we get to our chat, because now it's time to get to our, our uh, chat with Mike Phillips of Sound Citizen and uh, learn a little bit more about what happened at the House of Blues. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to explore uh, one of our recent uh, experiments about uh, Ticketmaster. So they've offered up some tips recently on their uh, Ticketology uh, blog, and we're gonna we're gonna share some. Uh, we got some fake uh, concert tip, a fake concert tip. We're going to show you how you can. Thank you. Wow. Make some here. fake counterfeit tickets. Sort of. Uh, we're <laughs> we're actually going to show you guys, uh, you know, and talk a little bit about how they're, the, the tips that Ticketmaster has offered up. You know, like, I'm trying to make it appealing. It is appealing. Isn't it controversial? <laughs> Fake counterfeit tickets, right? But anyways, when we come back, we're going we're gonna to dive into that because it's related to what Mike was talking about, uh, you know, the whole Live Nation thing. So here is my, uh, here's, our, here's our interview with, uh, with Mike Phillips, Sound Citizen. Mike, thank you, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, pleasure to finally have you on the show. You know we've uh, enjoyed following uh, your uh, concert adventures on uh, Sound Citizen, so thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, it's uh, definitely a pleasure to, to meet you as well. And uh, I know we've shared a lot of uh, concert experiences together, whether we've been there together or, or not knowing that we were there. But uh, yeah, it's good to finally meet you and get connected with Live Fix. Yeah. So there was uh, you, you've written several posts that you know we've we've shared on Live Fix before you know about uh, your, all the different adventures and things like that. Uh, but uh, lately, uh, I, think, I believe it was in the first week of April or so, um, you got really uh, impassioned uh, about your experience at House of Blues, and you wrote a really great post, really honest post about that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that and and you know tell us what what led you to that and uh, you know the the whole story behind that. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, House of Blues is one of those venues that, uh, as a as a live music fan, and I just kind of always enjoyed. I mean, there there are the gives and takes when, especially when you're dealing with kind of a downtown music venue and 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 that crowd. But uh, you know, absolutely, it's just a beautiful place to be. The acoustics are always really great, and I've seen some really great shows there. And uh, I've always looked forward to to going there. And um, you know, this this most recent time, um, went to go see a show there, and uh, you know, we we started running into some some hurdles. I guess is is the best way to put it. But uh, you know, what I wrote about in the post was that um, they were you know a bunch of seats there. It wasn't a busy night, and it's kind of the reason we chose to go on this particular night. It was a week night, and you know, really looking forward to be able to just sit down and relax and enjoy a show. And uh, yeah, we showed up and. There was plenty of seating, and as you went to go sit down, there was a nice little sign on there that said, talk to the bouncer. Well, we talked to the bouncer, and now they were selling bar stools. Se- selling bar stools. Uh, when I read that on the post, I was like, what? I, I, that, that's crazy. So what, what, what happened next after that? Well, we, we asked the guy, okay, well, you're selling bar stools. He said, yeah, tonight we're offering uh, you know, one, one stool for $20 and two for 30 so I said, okay, well, so in other words, I have to pay $30 to sit down. And uh, they said, yeah, you do, and looked around, and there was absolutely no one sitting down, and uh, clearly there were plenty of uh, open seats. But 
you know, it just, uh, and then, well, of course, there were also tables and high tops and stuff like that, which I didn't even dare to ask what they were offering, you know, offering those for. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it left kind of a, a bad taste in my mouth, so I just kind of wrote about it, and we got a pretty big response from uh, people kind of all over the web, not just on Sound Citizen, but kind of all over the place, uh, you know, and I think it just kind of speaks to this larger thing of concert goers feeling like... Uh, they're slowly getting a little bit more gouged uh, everywhere you go. You know, I mean, it's not enough that we're paying a lot for, for beer and everything like that. But, um, you know, it's just not something I think that uh, anybody's real cool with right now. <laughs> yeah, what are, you know, there's some other, uh, we, we've done some experiments about, you know, what would be the threshold, you know, uh, the breaking point, you know, the, 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 the tipping point for things like this, where the, where the concert fan has had enough. You know, uh, whether it's like, you know, Occupy Live Nation, you know, or it's Occupy Concert Venue, you know, stuff like that. You haven't really seen a lot of that. But what do you what do you think would be the tipping point, you know, for other other things like this? I mean, obviously, you you had one of your experiences, you know, you wrote about it with the House of Blues. What what other kind of experiences or certain things that you think might be coming down the road or would force concert fans to say, you know, I would love to see my favorite artist, but I'm not going to do it. I'm tired of it and pissed off um, I'm not doing what, what do you think would would force fans to uh, to get to that point well I think you know it's probably I think in large part it's already happening and maybe it's you know maybe it's a uh, a reflection on uh, you know my age and and how long I've been going to shows and everything like that and you know I'm not that old I'm 37 years old and I've been to a lot of concerts but uh, you know even just things like Lollapalooza I think that you know, ninety-five dollars to to go to this this place, and um, I mean, granted, it's a lot of fun, but you know, you can see as as things go on, they're sort of stretching these things out to where uh, you know you might might get a collection of really good bands, but they're spread over three different days. It kind of forces you almost, if you want to get that great experience, to you know spend the money to go to all three days and then you're looking at I don't know whatever it might be eight dollar beers a six dollar Polish sausage or whatever it might be but it's a lot of money you know and um, I think a lot of people are starting to look at alternatives for that so it might be a good thing for the for the small music scene and for the independent guys and for the you know the elbow rooms of the world and the empty bottles and stuff like that um, you know there's there's no greater thing than just stumbling upon a great show for ten bucks um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I guess it's just going to keep going until people just decide to not spend the money anymore. But um, you know, I certainly pick my concerts very carefully now because I just, uh, you know, I'm not really thinking about. Uh, well, I really love to see that band. Of course, I want to see a lot of different bands. But um, you know, you got to be careful about what you choose because it's costing so much money. You know, what is, you, you say you choose uh, carefully. Can you explain a little bit about your? your selection process or maybe the next show that you plan to go to what what's your what's your thought process like how do you, how do you how do you go about that yeah and i think a lot of it comes down to for me at least um you know a lot of it comes down to venue uh i've seen some you know great bands and some bad venues and it really can destroy a show you know i mean you, you really kind of just leave with a bad taste in your mouth and uh you know you just you just feel like you're not getting you know what, what you paid for and I think everybody's had the experience of going to a big arena or something like that to see one of their favorite bands, and you know the the double the double whammy there is you usually pay a lot of money for that, and you get a bad show. But um, I don't know as far as as choosing bands these days. I mean, 
you know, I've seen a lot of my favorites before. If it's uh, a, a type of band that doesn't come around a lot, um, and I know that they're not going to come around a lot, I'll spend the money for that. Um, that's someone I'm really into, like someone, you know, if they're innovators, like Jack White, for instance, uh, you know, I would definitely pay a lot of money to see that guy just because I think he's just this incredible. How, how much would you pay? Um, well, I'm not going to, I can already tell you, I'm not paying $95 to go to Lollapalooza for one day to see him because that would be the, really the only reason I would go. Um, if I could find him at a little after show or something like that for 60, 70 bucks, maybe, you know, um, I think that would probably be worth it. And just, again, he's one of those guys that doesn't come around a lot. And, uh, you know, he seems very selective about what he plays and when he plays and who he plays with. So, uh, you know, and then you get the other guys like the Black Keys who I love and I've always loved the Black Keys and they seem to be around all the time. So kind of over the fact of paying a lot of money to see them. Yeah, you've written a lot about them. You know, some of the my favorite posts that you've written about has been, you know, a post uh, Black Keys concert. What what is it about them that uh, that you enjoy so much? You know, and you've gone to uh, see them several times, right? What, what what is it about them that you you just? What was it like the first time you saw them, and then you know all the different times? What what is it about them you you like so much? Yeah, I don't know. Um, gosh, I'd have to think about the first time I saw them. Um, but I think what I like about them the most is is that they enjoy it so much. And, I mean, they just, you know, you can, they just exude this sense of, like, they are just loving every second that they're up there. And uh, they love playing with each other, and they play so well together. Like, you know, they're just this kind of amazing little capture. It's one of those things I was really worried about with them when they went to a bigger band and not just the two of them um, was losing that magic. And they certainly didn't. Um, but, you know, they're just prolific, too. I mean, they put out so many albums, and they tour so much, and it's just, you get that feeling that, you know, they couldn't stop if they tried. So it's just, you know, one of those things that you know that this is just coursing through their veins, and it's just great to see that happen. Now, would you say that uh, Black Key Show has changed your life? Uh, or it kind of left you, you know, a, a different person after after their show? And, and, and if that did, how what... You know, what was that like? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I can point to a specific time, but there was a time I went to go see them in Cleveland and, uh, you know, specifically made a trip out to Cleveland to go see them. And, and, and part of it was because I knew it was close to their hometown. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to get that experience of, of being in that hometown crowd. And, you know, with someone that at the time, this was a few years ago, I don't know, three, four years ago, that... I was really excited to see, and, um, you know, I looked to my left, and I'm kind of making this up in my head. I don't know if it's true or not, but there was a, a an older couple sitting next to me, um, you know, a few rows down, and they certainly looked the part to be um, maybe Auerbach's parents, Dan Auerbach's parents. I'm not sure, but, you know, there was a, there was a redhead there, a redheaded woman, and, and, the, and the dad, and the, you know, the mom, but Again, I could be totally making this up. This could be in my head, but they knew every single lyric to every single song and every beat and, and everything, and they were singing, and it was just this pretty amazing thing that, uh, you know, the whole crowd, again, like I said, it was a hometown crowd, so everybody was just so pumped up, and, you know, just one of those things when you think about uh, people, how they latch on to hometown heroes, and, you know, then you look over and you see what, I, what I'm taking as, as the parents just, you know, taking so much pride in what they're seeing on stage. And, uh, you know, their sound just 
lends itself so naturally to that because it's so raw that, uh, or, you know, that at that time it was really raw too, that, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those experiences where you just really are so happy and so glad and so appreciative of, of music that, you know, it kind of reaffirms your faith and, and everything like that. Yeah. It's kind of amazing how, you know, music can do that. That's, uh, that's, that's really awesome. You actually went to, uh, you, you traveled out there specifically to, experience a uh, a show in their own, in their own uh, hometown have you done that with any other bands you know, where you want to kind of you you want to see them in their element have you ever done that with any other bands that, that's kind of cool i never i don't know if i've ever yeah. talked to anybody in that that's done that in that in that way no I, I can't say i've ever you know traveled to to go see a band in their on their home turf although you know you know it when it happens i mean just just by by happenstance i mean well, and the reason, one of the reasons also that we, we went to Cleveland was because uh, I was just at that point turning my brother on to the Black Keys, and uh, he he didn't know him all that well. And then uh, you know I decided, well, look, this is just the perfect opportunity to get him to you know see these guys in their element and uh, really blow him away. And yeah, he was totally blown away. But then the other thing, you know, like I was down in uh, Memphis for uh, Memphis in May a few years ago, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis played, and you know, really close to his his hometown there too. I don't know, he might even be from Memphis, I'm not not quite sure. But um, and the same kind of thing, like you know, you just get that different vibe when someone's in their their hometown crowd, and you know, he comes out on the stage, he needs help to get to his piano, and you're thinking to yourself like, oh man, you know, this is gonna be really tough to watch, but. He sits down, and the crowd is just, you know, almost urging him on. And then, as soon as his fingers touched those keys, it was just magic, you know. And everyone was just crazy about him. And uh, again, you know, seeing that kind of hometown environment, it was just really cool. Yeah, on the on the brother thing too. And you know, the other side of that is, uh, and my brother's a big music guy too, uh, but but a little bit different. You know, he's he's uh, older brother and. So he grew up really loving metal, you know, and uh, got me into that, and which I don't know that I ever would have done on my own. Um, and, you know, I'm still not to this day as big of a metal fan as him, but, you know, then, we, then he kind of did the reverse for me, took me uh, out to Milwaukee one night, uh, you know, just a weeknight, basically. Let's get in the car and go to go see uh, Mastodon. <laughs> awesome I mean I was I was blown away and uh, it was one of those things where you kind of get that first listen to Mastodon and you don't quite get it it just sounds like a lot of thrash and kind of some you know some of that guttural kind of you know stuff like that but uh, but but then the closer you listen those guys are extremely talented you know and just uh, really masters of their craft and uh, so he definitely returned the favor and uh, we've, we've been to another Mastodon show after that too since so it's uh, it's a great thing to be able to share with with the brother, you know. So you guys kind of like share share that stuff back and forth, and you kind of say, okay, well, you you know, now now it's your turn to take me back or to yeah. another another show, or that's that's cool. Wow, yeah. wow, that's uh, that's awesome. So you you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, some you know concert venues in Chicago. Um, what are, what are some of your other favorite, you know, uh, venues that you like to go to? I mean, there's there's so much music to experience, you know, in, in Chicago. 
uh, and you've written a lot about, you know, some of the different venues, experiences. Um, what are some of your other favorite, you know, venues that you like to go to that, you know, if somebody was coming to Chicago for the first time, you're like, you've got to go to these places, you know, yeah. kind of already mentioned a couple of them. What, what are some others that would be on your, on your list? Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely, you know, Shuba's is one of them. Um, it's, it's a good venue. I mean, it's, it's maybe not one of, maybe not my favorite, but, uh, if you catch it right, you know, you, you kind of got to catch it right when it's not super packed in there. And when it's, when it gets really packed like that, it can be a difficult place to be. But, um, even just the history behind Shuba's is, is so amazing. And, uh, so that's definitely a place that, uh, you know, everybody should check out. Uh, also, um, you know, their, their sister place now, Lincoln Hall is a pretty cool spot. Um, unfortunately I think that balcony is kind of useless up top unless you're really right in the front can't see a thing so uh oh, the the the, uh, the balcony up top yeah, really yeah, okay yeah. i haven't heard anybody say that before well it's kind of you know it's not it's not tiered or tilted or anything like that and they have some tables up there and everything which seems like a really good idea but uh literally unless you're standing right on the rail you're looking at the back of someone's head the whole time so um not the best for that but but downstairs is pretty cool so uh that's a good place to check out and um Definitely Empty Bottle is one of my favorites. It's just kind of that cool environment. It's, you know, hasn't, you know, they get really good music there, and it's a great place to catch music on its way up, you know. So before they get real big and start playing some of these bigger venues, they seem to always sort of swing through Empty Bottle, and sometimes on their on their way to Shuba's, they'll swing by Empty Bottle also. Uh, so that's definitely a good one, and, you know, we talked about Metro. It's got to be one of the best venues in the city. I mean... There's not a bad spot to be there. You can be so close to the stage that uh, anyone you want to see, you're going to get a real intimate show. You know? Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's good to have a a fellow music blogger uh, on the show here. You know, and uh, I know again we we mentioned that you know you've written a lot about uh, your live music experiences. Um, what got you to write about music? You know, or your uh, about live music? You yeah. know, like what was the what was the moment where you were like, okay. I can no longer just go as a fan. I have to, you know, express in writing and, you know, take take the live music experience and and share it in words, you know, and, and, and you know, express it that way. When what got you started and what, uh, you know? Yeah, you know, I think it was just um, I started going to a lot of shows and just because, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I started I started realizing that I was the one pushing all these shows on my friends, you know, just saying like, hey, we got to go see these guys. This is really great. And, you know, a lot of them I had to drag. It was, you know, they were, they were really reluctant. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I would even just buy the ticket and just be like, here, man, don't, you know, don't even give me any money. Just come with me. You know, I just want someone to go. And, and then we would walk out of there and they were so excited and, you know, almost, thankful you know and then we they, we would talk about it all night and we would just have these conversations we'd go to the bar and you know just have these conversations and talk and recap the show and talk about how great it was and you know it was just this general like buzz of of finding something new and having a great experience with your friends and you know I, I was just going to a lot and I just naturally liked to write and so it just started making sense like you know what I might as well just uh start telling everybody about these shows and and I think, you know, a big tipping point for me, too, was that it became a lot easier with, I think, you know, the flip camera was just like such a, such an amazing device at the time that it became really easy to just record just even like, you know, a couple of minutes of a show and show people this is what it can be like, you know, like this is really great. You should check this out. 
Um, so that was a real tipping point for me, too, was just being able to show people the experience and not just have to tell them about it, you know what I mean? Like, let them really experience it a little bit also. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. And then I learned as I, the more I wrote, the more people offered me tickets to go to their shows. So that didn't hurt. That's, that's always an interesting uh, uh, trade-off, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, how, how, how <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny you bring that up because, you know, once you start writing, for those of, you know, those of everybody that's listening here, you know, if you're new, right, to, uh, to this thing called, you know, music writing, yeah. you know, after a while you get, you know, you get press releases, right? Yeah. And you get requests to, get, to go see bands that you don't necessarily, uh, you know, you, that you don't like or, you know, you, gotta, you go to a show. Sometimes you kind of force yourself, you know, to like the show because you're getting in for free, right? I mean, it, I don't, maybe, I've experienced that. I don't know about you, but... Um, yeah. You know what? What about that? You know, being able to not have to pay to go to show because you're going to be writing about it. How, how has that? How has that changed your live music experiences? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I, you know, I think that there's a definite, there's a definite different feeling. I mean, when you, when you get that, you know, that invite to go to the show, and uh, you know, I'm always really appreciative of something like that and I, and I want to do it justice I mean I'll, I'll never write about something and say I like it if I don't like it I mean I, and they know that you know people know that um, but definitely there's a sense of uh, obligation just to give it a fair shake and give it a fair listen that you might not do otherwise um, so you know if a friend of mine gave me a, a, a ticket to go see you know, some show that was a type of music I didn't like, and, and I went, you know, I might go in there with a little bit of a closed mind, but in that instance, yeah, it definitely changes your perspective. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give this a fair shake because they went out of their way to do this for me, then, you know, I'm going to listen with an open mind. So um, it definitely changes that. And I think on the other end, too, it changes the experience of when you go to shows that you're not covering. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic in the sense of, it's almost like a night off, you know, so you really can sort of look at it from a different way and you almost appreciate it on a different level of being purely just a fan. I mean, sometimes I'll go to shows and, you know, I know I'm not going to write about it because I want to, I don't want to think about it. You know, I don't want to think about dissecting it or anything like that. I just want to go there and be a fan. So, uh, you know, it changes that dynamic too. It's writing about music definitely changes the way you think about and the way you listen to music without, without doubt. Yeah find it's easier to um, go to a show knowing you're just going as a fan and then after that show, you, you know, the, uh, the muse or wh- whatever you want to call it uh, is, uh, you know, you, you, like you don't have that pressure necessarily, right, that you have to come up with some words or whatever to describe that. Do you, you, does it come more naturally when you're just there psychologically just as a fan? Have you yeah. ever found that? Yeah, I think... Um I think it comes a little bit easier. I think that um, the, the one thing that I, I feel like as a music fan, I mean, I started out as a fan, right? And I think everybody does. I'm sure you did too, you know? I mean, I know everybody starts out as a fan and then turn, turns into, you know, being a writer about it or, uh, or a journalist about it. But I think one of the great things about music is that and the, and the approach that you can take with it when you when you write about it is just being unapologetic, you know. And I, I don't really, I never did this to like set out and make a bunch of money and you know turn into a professional rock star journalist. I mean, I couldn't handle that life anyway, you know. <laughs> it, it was never a goal of mine. Um, I just kind of did it because I loved it. And 
So I never felt the need to to compensate for anything, and I never felt the need to say I liked something if I didn't, or you know, to to really go over the top. I mean, I, I remember some of my earliest reviews that I wrote. People were jumping all over me because I was injecting personal feelings, you know, and people were saying that's not how a, a music writer writes, you know. Really? So people said that? Too? Yeah, wow. Absolutely. I was getting comments on posts like, uh, hey, when you're writing about music, you shouldn't interject your own personal feelings, you know, you should be objective about it, and, you know, really, it gave me pause for a second, and then it also made me think, I'm doing this absolutely right, you know, I know, I know what I'm doing, because this is how I want to do it, and, you know, there's no question about it, of course, I mean, music is such a personal thing, why wouldn't you talk about it personally, you know, why wouldn't you take it personally, why wouldn't you inject your own personal feelings into it, I mean, they don't write songs to be objective, they write songs about how they feel, you know, so why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I feel the same way, so, um, yeah, it's a little bit roundabout way to, to address your question, but yeah, I mean, I, well, that's good, that's good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've been doing Sound Citizen for how many, how many years now? Or uh, you know, maybe four years, three, four years, probably, yeah, probably closer to four years or so. Yeah. Now, you, you recently, uh, started doing a, uh, a new, uh, newsletter kind of, uh, as an offshoot, you know, from that, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, Windy City Weekly. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Windy City Weekly. It's a, uh, weekly newsletter that, that I put out and, um, you know, I try and sort of call the best of what's going on in Chicago and pile it together into, into one quick read newsletter. It's meant to be just really stripped down really quick so you can scan it and just kind of find the stuff you want, news, sports, restaurants, bars, uh, you know, and just keep a light edge to it. I mean, if there's one thing that's I'm as passionate about as music as I am is, is about Chicago. I just I love the city of Chicago, and uh, again, like we were talking about with music, I want to share it with people. So, yeah, it's just uh, my way of, of trying to pull together the best of the city once a week, and so far, yeah, people seem to really like it, so we're getting a really good response, and um, it's, it's going well, so we're going to keep doing that, and, you know, of course, we talk about music in there, and we want to direct people to some shows that we see fit and that we think that you're going to like, and um, yeah, just hopefully get people to enjoy their city. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, what uh, do you have any shows coming up that you're uh, looking forward to? Any uh, shows uh, on the concert calendar for you? Yeah, you know, I bought uh, I bought tickets to see um, the Avid Brothers at Northerly Island, um, or is it Avid? I don't know. I never know. But uh, that should be pretty cool. I mean. I kind of I like it's again one of those venues I like purely for the location. It's just kind of cool to be on the lake like that, and I've always had a good time there. Um, but yeah, I think they're a pretty good band, and so we're gonna see that. And uh, let's see, gonna go see uh, My Morning Jacket and Band of Horses at Millennium Park. Have you seen them before? I have My Morning Jacket. I've seen both of them a few times, and uh, My Morning Jacket, far and away, one of the best live shows I've ever seen. And uh, Band of Horses, too, you know, they, they can put on a great show, too. And uh, I've seen them put on a great show. I've also seen them, I, I wrote a post, uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, maybe, that they put on one of the worst shows I've ever seen. So it was really interesting. I mean, you know, they were, uh, and, I, and I wrote in that post, too, that they were tired. You could tell. They had been touring for about two years straight, and they were just tired and done. And they showed it, you know. It just did not come across. They were not good. Um, and, and you were completely honest in, in that you didn't, didn't hold back yeah I think the title of the post was Band of Hosers 
Yeah, I know. I mean, but yeah, you know, uh, definitely. I mean, there's, there's no reason to hold back. And I think it, the, the, the interesting part about that is I think I might have seen them on the kickoff of that tour on one of the first few shows they played. And then I saw them again on the back end. And it was that back end show that was just, you know, I wanted to just tell them, like, man, you guys just need to take a rest. Yeah. Um, but I still love them as a band. I still think they're great. Um, yeah, so I got those. And... Um, you know, the, uh, my fiancé wants to see uh, Fiona Apple coming up, and I would really like to see her, too. And um, we don't have... Yeah, she's got a new, uh, new album that uh, yeah. has just come out, right? Yeah, and it's, uh, I haven't heard a lot about it, and um, I have, I've heard a little bit about her live show, her, her uh, tour right now. Sounds like it's pretty good, but she's one of those artists. Um, you know, I was never, like, a giant, huge fan of hers or anything, but I really respect kind of her approach to everything, and... Um, she seems to be one of those people that just really takes her craft seriously, and that's just always a cool thing to see, you know, whether you really are aligned with that kind of music or not. But uh, seeing someone that really puts everything they've got into it is always awesome. Do you go to a lot of shows uh, with your fiance? Do you guys, uh, what's that like for you? Yeah, it's great, man. I got really lucky. She, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, she's a big music fan, and. Uh, yeah, one of our one of our uh, early shows together. It was actually our second date. I took her to see a show, and uh, we went to the Hideout and saw this band called the Postels. Uh, really, really cool live show. Fun band. I, I think it might be out of New York. I'm not real sure, but uh, they they tour every now and then. Um, but yeah, you know, we went to the Hideout and we had a great time. And we've seen the Black Keys together. We went to a New Year's Black Keys show together. And uh, yeah, she's a big music fan, so I got real lucky that way. <laughs> Awesome. I know. I know. You know. Sometimes uh, people get in relationships, and you know, they uh, they have commonalities. But especially with, with live music, you know, a, a lot of the times, uh, my wife and I will cover shows, and I'll be totally into the band, and you know, she'll be photo- photographing it. But yeah. she's like, "Why? You know, why are we here? You know." <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we so, definitely had those, but that's moments, too. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's definitely been those moments too where we've, uh, you know, decided maybe it's best if we just bail on this show. <laughs> But yeah, no, she's great. She, uh, you know, she picked up, uh, got got in the car the other day, and they're kind of just sitting right in front of me. Was the the new vinyl of the new Jack White, right? So wow. it's cool to have that that in a relationship for sure. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's that's awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much, man, for uh, for stopping by and uh, joining us on the show. We'll definitely have to have you back. Well, I mean, we we get all the Chicago bloggers uh, together, cool. and we do uh, do a big show about Chicago music blogging and. Uh, you know, have a big old uh, podcast party or something like that. So, but thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. Really appreciate it. I always love Live Fix. Welcome back to Live Fix Podcast. That was a great, that's a great interview with Mike Phillips. A sound citizen. He's, he's, he's a great guy, man. I'm glad, I'm so glad we, we had a chance finally to get him on the show because, uh, you know, I've, uh, been inspired by his writing. You know, uh, we didn't talk about it in our, in our chat there, but, uh, well, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, he's written some other great stuff on it. Soundcitizen.com is his uh, his his blog, and uh, writes from you know just a real personal touch. You know, honest, uh, great great stuff. Loves music, loves concert fan experience, and uh, he's written a lot of other things. You know, something about nine eleven and being you know at a, uh, a show, um, you know, and just having that you know post nine eleven show and experiencing the grief and all kind of stuff with that. So. Uh, great, great experience. Uh, hopefully, we can head back on the show again. You know, we sure. want to get what we want to do eventually is get all uh, you know some Chicago uh, live music bloggers 
uh, all together on a show to kind of put our heads together and uh, you know talk about the industry, you know talk about the the, the practice and and kind of how it's where it's been and where it's evolved. So good, good stuff. Um, but now bands wouldn't be bands without fans. Exactly. You, I mean you that's that's the reality. You know, I mean, well said. Bands are great bands, and and they there can be, you know. Prov- they can provide or give great music, but if they don't have fans... Ask any artist what's it like to play for an empty venue. Not good. Even if, you know, yeah, not good. Not good at all, right? Gotta have the fans. It's like, yeah. I'm just picturing the Metro empty. It's kind of sad. <laughs> with a couple, with an, an just artist Just one band on, on stage. stage. I mean, yeah. we've been to certain shows, you know, covering these up-and-coming bands where it's just like three fans... Are sitting there and, and their great. mom, their mom is usually oh, there. Oh yeah, that makes four fans, you know. And maybe their dad too, five, but uh, and their neighbor six, but um, and their dog. Well, they don't usually let dogs into the show, but if they could, it'd be seven. Uh, and their it, sober coach has to always be there. I guess, yeah. Why well, have you seen that before? Oh yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah. What bands? I'm not going to disclose. Oh, there are a lot okay. of bands that it's you important. Know, You're not making light of that. Have a sober coach. But you, it sounds like you're making light of that. No. No. It's very important to have a sober yeah. coach. If, that, if that's something you're struggling with. Like You're talking about like Metallica? Metallica? They have a therapist uh, so, that follows so, uh, them some around. Some kind of monster uh, tour? Absolutely. Uh, uh, okay. Interesting. There's a couple bands that need therapists. I have, no, I have no problems with that. Okay. Wow. I would completely support that. As yeah. a therapist myself, I would completely support that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that was a heck of a rabbit trail we just went down, and that's fine. I like rabbit trails. They're great, especially a lot of music, because... Uh, you know, that's what we like to talk about here. But in any case, uh, you know, we talked about the House of Blues, and we mentioned earlier that the you know, House of Blues is owned by Live Nation and Ticketmaster, or Live Nation Ticketmaster, however you want to talk about it. And recently, they have posted, uh, Ticketmaster uh, has posted on their blog uh, called Ticket- Ticketology, uh, which is a blog that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. When they first launched it, they were talking about, oh, we're going to, you know, share industry tips and tell stories, celebrate fans, say thank you. And for the most part, you know, it's just another marketing channel. So it's, I'm uh, not too impressed with it. Uh, but they did recently post something about the, uh, the concept of making sure that fans know the difference between fake concert tickets and real concert tickets and some ways to guard against getting caught. Um, so kind of interesting. So I went through and looked at all the, uh, all the tips for the most part, a lot of this stuff is common sense. And, uh, but you got to watch out a couple things. And we noticed that, you know, we mentioned this and, uh, there's a live fix. Uh, you know, we did a post, uh, about this, you know, one of our ongoing experiments, keeping our eye, you know, keeping our eyes and, you know, on uh, live nation, live nation and Ticketmaster, and kind of seeing what they're doing. Uh, I went through their, went through their, uh, uh their list and uh, a couple things rang out to me. Uh, first one is that you got to be you, you got to remember what's going on because in their list they talk about a, uh, a, a coalition site that says you know it's uh, fansfirstcoalition.com I think it is I think that's uh, got the right address there. But um, in any case, they are uh, you know they're uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster. They're kind of in a heated battle between uh, with, with StubHub. You know, they're, they're competitors. So back last year, they both, those two companies both created their own coalition sites as basically not to make sure that the fans were, had best interest in mind, but uh, to lobby before Congress and say, hey, you know, we want these laws because they will help us and all these types of things. So 
the only th and, and that's what you got to you, you got to remember that that's what's going on with with these. So anytime that Live Nation or Ticketmaster points you to the Fan First Coalition, they finance that group. So they they're on a board. They finance. They you know they pump money into that. So you got to make sure they don't necessarily disclose that. But so part of your ticket cost goes to these coalitions. Possibly. Yep. It, it, it could very very much uh, do that. I don't know officially or how much, but. Uh, that's one thing that, you know, they, they mention that, but they do have some interesting videos. There's this fan uh, group of One Direction fans that uh, recently were the victims of counterfeit. There was a guy in the street that was selling counterfeit tickets, and you kind of watch this video and you go, really? Did you really fall for that, you know, kind of thing? But they paid $200, you know, or $500 for like four tickets or whatever, and they turned out to be fake tickets because there's certain things that go on with, uh, you know, with, with the... A real ticket and a fake ticket, and you know, like they, uh, Ticketmaster kind of explains holograms, symbols, those right? Kind of different things, money. and what what to look for, like on the fake concert ticket in uh, One Direction, the uh, the fake ticket did not have the address of the Beacon Theater where the show was taking place, and the real ticket has the address, it has a watermark, and it, you know, um, so so they basically paid two hundred dollars for a piece of paper. Yeah, they did, on the street too. Why would you buy? You know, you, you know, and they, and they say that you know, make sure you. There's some good deals. If on you want to take, if you want to make sure that the ticket is real, ask the guy to follow you to the box office and say, have the box office people verify the tickets before you pay uh, for them. Okay. Kind of an interesting thing, but you know, would you really do that? Because you're like, you know, you're going to usually illegal, right? Because you're so, like, oh, I'm about to do something. I'm going to about to pay less for what they're at the box office. Can you make sure I'm going to get a really good deal here? You know, like that, that's kind of a weird suggestion. But in any case, uh, I pulled together some, uh, some sites and some links for, uh, for you guys because we always concerned about the fans. You know, we want to make sure that you guys know what's going on and, uh, you know, that we can, we, we can keep things honest, you know, keep Ticketmaster and Live Nation honest in, in this. So uh, we, we posted a, uh, uh, there's a fake concert ticket uh, generator that I, I made a, uh, a fake concert ticket for a, a future event, live music, uh, live fix music festival happening uh, in September. So I had a little fun with that because you can't be too serious with this stuff, right? I mean, you got to, you know, you want to make a fake concert ticket. That's one thing. But just to clarify, we're not having a festival. No, not yet. We might eventually. In September. You know, if you guys think we should have one and what we should do with that, let, let us know by all means. But uh, no, we're not we're not having a uh, any kind of festival right now. But we did have some fun with it, and uh, it's kind of an interesting little little thing. You know, we're not we're not uh, promoting uh, making fake concert tickets. But I like this fake concert ticket generator because you know it, uh, you can kind of have some fun with it and make like fake concerts that you would you know want to go to or kind of dream a little bit and you know, just have some fun with it because it's kind of funny to see you know an actual ticket physical memento that a lot of us keep in our wallets and, and kind of put, you know, like things that are important to us, you know, on there and, and, and mix it with the live music experience. So, but there's some very interesting links and we'd love to hear, like, I want to hear what you guys have dealt with, uh, in fake, you know, in, in counterfeit tickets, you know, if you're a scalper out there, or you're, you know, you're somebody who has done this before, we'd like to have you on the show. We won't reveal your identity. You know, we'd like to hear kind of what, what you've done and you know and, and all that and it'll it'll be an honest uh, anonymous conversation totally cool uh, but if you're a fan who's been the victim of counterfeit we want to hear those stories too because we you know we always want to you know learn from your experiences kind of hear what's going on so uh, this is a big thing that still happens obviously that's why Ticketmaster 
went through the you know the energy of writing a post like this, and that's why we're we're talking about it here. So we want to hear your your story. So have you ever been ripped off? Yeah, I don't think I've ever asked you that before. Have you ever no had any concert tickets? Have you ever bought from a scalper before? Um. Yeah, probably yeah. when I was younger. At, at I mean, the, I'd at, show up at, at the like, venue? I'd find out someone was playing somewhere, and if I didn't have tickets prior, I would, and I really wanted to see them, I would just show up and pay a little bit more, and yeah, I mean, I've done it. Right. I did it for, for sports yeah. events, too. Yeah, wow. You can get some good deals, but you have to know who you're dealing with. I mean, you can't just find the, the closest, nearest person, but hmm. usually the, the people who kind of had a story behind it, I, if there was a concert that I went to... Um, actually, it was at, I think it was at Wheaton College, yeah. uh, Christian College by our house, that um, they, I, I, went, I went there, and the, me and one of my roommates had went there, and um, we actually said, hey, you know, we, we, we want to get in, our other friends are there, and there was a guy just, like, outside, his wife had, was sick, and he was trying to sell the tickets because they weren't going to go, hmm. and it was, like, a decent price, and we got in, and it was pretty fun experience so I think that you have to watch I think Craigslist is a good place you know I've gotten tickets on Craigslist and, and on um, hmm. eBay and things like that but you just got to be careful yeah absolutely so uh, maybe we'll do a whole show about fake concert tickets but just want to throw that out to you guys I uh, want to get your stories again go ahead and give us a buzz at 773-609-4341 let us know your stories uh, we'll, we would love to share them on a future episode and talk a little bit about the whole concept of how you guys have experienced, you know, fake tickets or counterfeit experiences with scalpers and all that, all those types of things. So uh, that just about wraps up our show. Again, thank you very much to Mike Phillips from Sound Citizen. Again, uh, go to SoundCitizen.com and check out his stuff. Uh, he, he also does a, a weekly newsletter that kind of wraps up stuff uh, called the Windy City Weekly. Uh, great, great stuff. You want to know more about what's going on in Chicago and and get into, uh, you know, kind of what. Uh, what's happening, shows, and uh, other kind of cultural things. Definitely subscribe to that. We'll have links on the blog so you guys can go to that. Uh, all the show notes, again, will be at livefixblog.com. And here is a track, uh, again, another live live track from uh, the Black Keys. Uh, it's called I Got Mine. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for listening, and we will see you guys later.